Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today as we gather, we celebrate Pentecost. And if you're going to hear parts of those stories, um, the Old Testament and epistle lesson that you normally hear today is uh, the story about the Tower of Babel. As you hear it, as the languages are confused, the other part that you hear is as the Spirit went out amongst the people at Pentecost, as the disciples began to preach, and everybody heard it in their own language. And we're going to focus on this gospel message today as we begin to look at the Holy Spirit as our helper in understanding how God equips us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, through, the, through the Trinity, and how we are equipped uh, as nobody else is, uh, whatever background of faith or religion they have, that God does something uh, by His Spirit that we don't see any place else. It's interesting to us as we talk about the Holy Spirit, um, as we talk about the Godhead, as we talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, we kind of have a good idea who God the Father is, right? We see what he does. We see how he operates. We see how he orchestrates. We see his promises. We see his faithfulness. If you look around at the windows today, you're not going to really see God the Father depicted in them. Uh, But in the Trinity, in the majority of the pictures, who do you see in there? In the pictures, Jesus. Okay. Um, There is one picture, uh, one window that has the Holy Spirit in there. Do you know which one has the Holy Spirit pictured in one of the windows? Jesus' baptism. Where's that one? Oh, just point in church. Come on, you're all looking at it right over there. That one. All right. And how is the Holy Spirit depicted in that? The dove. Okay. And so uh, we remember at Jesus's baptism, right? God spoke. So they heard the father's voice and then Jesus was there. And then the spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. Okay. And so that's kind of how we think of the spirit, because like, again, I said, we, we feel like we can grab a hold of God, the father. We know we can take the hand of Jesus, but the spirit, well, seems almost a little bit more elusive to us. Um, not quite as well understood and trying to understand how he operates, what he does. And we know it's a good thing, but yet at the same time, how does the spirit come into our lives? Well, as Jesus is talking today, he begins talking about how we are to live our lives and how we are to walk through our life. And I don't know about you, but when I have any task before me, I need a little bit of instruction along with it. Um, Whether it's going someplace in a destination, whether it's assembling something, whatever it might be, a little bit of instruction helps. It goes a long ways. Um, I like just enough instruction that I can figure it out, not so much instruction that I have to actually follow it. Does that make sense? I'm just enough stubborn of a good old German Lutheran male that I think I can figure it out on my own. And don't worry, God keeps finding ways to humble me, so don't worry about it. There are numerous things that we look at in life that require directions to do. Uh, So if you've ever had to put together a Lego set, what comes with it? Instructions. Uh, We are now to the point with Theodore as we put together Lego sets that are well beyond the 500 piece mark. Okay? And uh, if you don't follow the instructions, guess what? With Legos, it doesn't look like it's supposed to look. Nor does it hold up to a five-year-old little brother the way it should hold up. 
And so we've learned to diligently follow those directions. Have any of you ever bought furniture from Ikea? Yeah. What happens if you don't follow those instructions? It doesn't work. What happens sometimes even if you follow the instructions? Right? You have to give them to your wife. That's what you're going to say, right? Okay? And so as you look at it, different things there too. Um, Also, if you've ever baked or cooked something, right? Some of us are gifted that we can throw something together and something wonderful and masterful comes out of it. Not all cooks are bakers. Not all bakers are cooks. Some do well at both, some do well at either, and some do well at, well, neither. So as we look at those two, when you, when you make something, what do you follow? You follow a recipe, right? Um, when Elizabeth and I were first married and Theodore was born, and as he arrived on the scene, my parents came out to New Jersey to welcome their grandchild, and my mom brought along with her the recipe for, well, the family secret of the sticky bun rolls. And as she brought along that family secret, uh, other than eggs and milk and butter, she flew everything out in her suitcase because you can't buy the same flour from the stores in New Jersey that you can buy them in Nebraska, and that would change the whole recipe. Why? Because it does, people. It just does, okay? And um, as she brought all that, I'm, I, <laughs> my mom, I, I can't believe it. She went through security with gallon bags of powder substances to be able to bake these rolls. That's a whole nother story for another day. But, you know, what a grandmother won't do for her grandchildren, I tell you. And so we get out there, and my, my wife is so excited to be able to make these rolls because she literally had to produce an heir to the throne to get the recipe because nobody else has the recipe. Even when we were married, that did not qualify her to yet have the recipe. Are you following me? Okay. And so my mom taught my wife how to make these rolls the way her mother, grandmother, great-grandmother from the old country taught to make the rolls. But my wife is a recipe follower. She can make anything, but she needs the instructions to be able to do it. And so as my wife was sat there and watched my mom, my mom would take a scoop of flour with her hand, not with a measuring cup, with her hand. The problem with measuring with your hand is everybody's hand the same size. No. And so my mom would take those measurements and then she would put them in a measuring bowl. And then my wife would actually write down what the measurements were for the thing so she could have the recipe. And my wife figured out that she wanted to make them the same. And my mom always told her, well, here's the thing with these rules. She goes, I've never made them the same way twice, but they've never turned out bad ever. Even though they're different every single time. Lo and behold, years go by and my wife still makes these rolls at the request of my kids. And these are the ones that take hours and hours and you have to let them rise and cut them up. And you have to put them on the baking pan and and get everything ready. And what, what I love to see now is that she's been working with Lucy on how to make them. But Lucy isn't learning from a recipe. Guess what my wife figured out after making these rolls so many times? Guess what she does? A little of this, a little of that. And she's never made them the same way twice, but she hasn't made a bad batch yet. As we look at instructions and how to follow and how we're equipped to do something, um, sometimes we need to be able to have something that we follow right by and we can check it as we go. Other times we need to learn from example and begin to put it into practice as we see others to do it. Either one is a great solution. 
but not doing either one. If you want to learn something, you're never going to learn something if you just sit back and never begin to practice it, never attempt to follow it. And so as Jesus speaks today in the words of John, he says this, he says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Now, this, if anyone loves me, this is not, if you do this, then I will do this. That is not one of these statements, okay? This is not Jesus saying, if you act this way, then in response, I will do this. That's not how Jesus operates, okay? Jesus is saying, as you search your heart, as you look over things, regardless of what you face in life, regardless of how good things are, bad things are, if in the middle of everything, you know that you still love me, You might have questions, you might have doubts, you might have fears, you might have joy, you might have... If in the middle of everything that you know you still love me or know that you need to be in a loving relationship with me, then he continues on. Does that make sense where the two are different? This is not your Savior saying, I need you to do this in order to gain this. He's saying just in your being. You've heard me talk about this before, right? In your being, because I've asked the question in this way. Why does a dog wag its tail? Because it's a dog. It's just what it does. Why does a duck waddle? Because it's a duck and that's how ducks walk, right? Why does a Christian share the good news? Because it's who we are as a Christian, right? But sometimes we get tripped up because we're also sinners. So we don't always just in our being continue to live that way. And so what Jesus is saying in these words is in your being, if you love me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. So the instructions, the recipe, everything's there for us to follow. Not that we gain something, but because we know what Christ wants to come from it. Okay, he's not asking us to do something that we would have control over it, dominion over it, then it would become ours, that we would create something that we can show off to everybody else. What he's saying is, as you live your life this way, I have a purpose for you and something to come from it. And it doesn't rely upon you, but it's what I've already done for you. But we can twist those words really easy, can't we? Thinking that something all of a sudden depends upon us and how we act and what we do. It's a good thing that so many things in life don't depend upon me and my actions and what I do. For example, in this passage today of John 14th is my confirmation verse. So in the 27th verse of John 14, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and be not afraid is your pastor's confirmation verse. Do you know why the preacher picked it? Because where I grew up, I was blessed that they gave you all these ones. They had you read through them. They had one that some meaning to you to look over them. And they asked you to pick from them. Do you know why your preacher picked that one? Because it was the longest one and it meant two sheet cakes. Because I had three older siblings, and for confirmation, their confirmation verse got written on a sheet cake for their confirmation celebration. And then when it was written out, it took up a sheet cake, and I knew it was the way it was written that this would take up two sheet cakes. It's as good as reason as any to pick a confirmation verse, isn't it? Not at all. Thank goodness that it wasn't something that depended upon me. But how do you think that verse has impacted my life? Do you think I've called upon it, looked at it, that I've had it some here in my memory for one time or another in life? You better believe it. 
the number of times where God was faithful to me and I remembered it, or where I was unsure of something and he grounded me through that, or where I needed hope and I couldn't see it and I needed something that was bigger than myself. Praise God that a stupid kid at 14 picked a verse for a sheet cake and God's utilized it all along. So when he says, if anyone loves me, he's not dependent upon us, is he? But knowing that we do, he says, here's what I'm going to do with that love then. And that is where the majesty of God begins to shine through in God the Son. But just because Jesus died for me and I picked a verse out doesn't mean I've navigated life perfectly, though, then does it? So how has he been helping me out the entire time? How has he been walking with me and talking with me so that I might know the love that he actually has? How has he been in communion with me, community with me, conversation with me, so that I might know who he is? He's been walking and talking with me by his spirit. The challenge with the spirit is, is the spirit does something to us that we don't always like. Because you and I like to separate out our thoughts from our emotions, don't we? We don't like them to get mingled and mixed up. We like to make sure that we can navigate them. So we try to keep our head and our heart separate a lot of times, don't we? And we try to keep our head and our heart separate a lot of times because if the heart gets hurt, the head's not going to make logic of it. And if the head gets hurt, the heart's not going to appreciate it. And then we're usually kind of mean and nasty to somebody if they were mean and nasty to us. Or maybe they were mean and nasty to us and we didn't want them to be. And now we don't know how to go on loving them. So we try to keep it separate. But guess what the Holy Spirit does? He gets that six inches between your ears mashed up with the heart right here. Because when you're a little kid, you say you keep Jesus locked up right in your brain, or where do you keep him? Right in your heart. Not in the logical spot, the reasoning spot, not the thoughtful, thinkful spot. Because let's face it, the six inches between our ears, it's a dangerous neighborhood and nobody should live in it, should they? Right? You can spend too much time in your own head, can't you? And you can get lost in there. And all of a sudden, things that once were not reasonable, all of a sudden you begin to rationalize. And you can make sense of something that you don't want to make sense of, or something that doesn't make sense of, you begin to place onto somebody else. But here's what the Spirit does for you and I who are sinners. The Spirit works on aligning the head and the heart. Because let's face it, the world we walk through isn't always rational, is it? And when you and I look around and we say a dog wags its tail because it's a duck, a duck, a duck waddles because it's a duck, a dog wags its tail because it's a dog, and a Christian shares the good news because they're a Christian, well, the dog and the duck do a pretty good job of it, but do Christians always do a good job of it? No. And then all of a sudden, by reason, we have to figure something out, and it doesn't always match up with where we want our heart to be with where our head is. Jesus continues on in these words as he speaks in the gospel lesson. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you for you a while. I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say, you heard me say to you, I'm going away, and I will come to you. 
If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Thank goodness God doesn't give to us the way the world does. Because you can look at every religion and every faith in the world today. And you will see nobody that operates like God. The one true God. You will see nobody that operates and comes to us the way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit does. You will see people try to get it right. You will people try to guise themselves as it. You will see people try to gain something or to set something up that would almost accomplish it. But in no way does any other faith, any other religion appeal to the head and the heart in the same way and send a helper to match the two up. And in no other religion does God take care of it for you and not just leave you up to your own vices. Every other religion will tell you what you have to do to make that happen. God says, no, I know you. You're not going to get it right. And so I already sent my son to pay a price for your sins, to die upon the cross, to rise victoriously, and I'm not going to leave you alone in that. The spirit who's been here from the very beginning of creation, I'm going to send to you to walk along with you through all of this. It's why at the very waters of baptism, the water and the word along with the spirit does something that we can't even fathom, but we know to be true. Right in the waters of baptism, the spirit already begins matching up our head and our heart to know who God is. And as we come forward for the Lord's Supper, knowing the sacrifice that Christ made, the ransom that he paid, and knowing that he died a death that we could not die, and seeing that God followed through on his promise by giving his very own son, then we can trust him. And so as we trust him with our head, seeing that he followed through on his promise, our heart also begins to make sense of the love that he has for us. And as our heart makes sense of the love that he has for us, we also know the truth in a tomb that was empty. And as we know the truth of the tomb that was empty, we again love and see the appreciation of who God is in our lives as we see a resurrected Christ, knowing that as he goes and prepares a place for us, that he's no longer with us, but we know the truth of the love that's spoken by God that must be there because of what he's doing and where he's dwelling and sitting at the right hand of God. And in the meantime, while he waits for us, he doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't forget who we are. He doesn't forget what he's asked us to do. He walks alongside us with his spirit the entire time. And you know what? As we walk, guess what happens when people walk? When people walk, guess what they do? They trip. They get tired. And God says, this is why you have my spirit. Because I know exactly what the path looks like. And if you could have done it on your own, I would have let you done it on your own. But you can't. So from the beginning of time, as Adam and Eve fell into sin, there I've been with you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Thank God he doesn't give to us the way the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and be not afraid. God does an amazing thing as he matches up our head and our heart. As we look at the truth that is in the promise of the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And as our heart understands the guiding of the spirit as he leads us 
to not only live in that truth, but to share that truth with others so they might have the same hope that we have. So today, as you go from this place, may that truth be in every step that you take. May the love that you have be shown, as it says, if anyone loves me, that he will point others to the Father as well. May you know the gifts that you have been given by the Spirit. May you call upon them at all times and all places. And may you walk with Jesus, trusting in the gifting of that Spirit today and always. Amen.